You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we are in week five of our series, My Part, God's Part, Their Part. And at the core of this series is how do we live out the Great Commission? What does that look like today? Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And um, when, when it comes to discipleship, I'm so grateful for that last statement. I'm always with you because what I've learned, what I've seen is I actually get to experience Jesus as I make disciples. Because honestly, still today, this idea of making disciples, this idea of me trying to engage someone and figure out how to help them spiritually on their journey is still kind of frightening. Like, if it doesn't ever scare you ever, maybe that's a concern. Um, or maybe you're just better at this stuff than me, and that's okay. Uh, disciple me. But uh, on the front end of this series, we're really looking at how do we share our faith? What are some practical ways of sharing our faith? And, and we started, um, we spent a couple conversation a few weeks ago talking about why do we call this my part, God's part, their part? You know, for three decades, I didn't really consider that God was with me in this process of discipleship or, or this process of me sharing my faith. I didn't think that that was part of the process. I just figured, you know, it's like sales. You get pushed out onto the sales floor and there's the customer and good luck. Uh, no, that's not how God operates. Um, one of the things that God does is he puts the right person in the right place at the right time. And I've had people be that person for me, and then I've had the opportunity to be that person for other people. And I've watched other people be that person for other people. And so it's a real cool moment when you recognize that. But we also know that God, he's the one that does the heavy lifting. He draws people to Christ. He's the one that convicts. He reveals truth. He causes spiritual growth. And so these are things that God does. And then we looked at the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus shared his life with him and how this was very powerful that the story of Zacchaeus, like we don't hear a bunch of words from Jesus. We just see Jesus choosing to spend time with him. And that was transformative for this guy. And Logan shared his story with Megan. And, and he didn't share with you all the words that they thought up to figure out how to say to Megan because they weren't trying to figure that out. They were just trying to figure out how to be in Megan's world and Megan in their world. And through that process, Megan comes to Christ. I mean, sitting behind the couch, knitting things, but she comes to Christ. And so we said, pursue authentic relationship with people in the mess. And in the mess just means wherever you happen to find them. 
Then last week, I was supposed to be here preaching, but uh, I had a stomach bug, and in the um, heart of not sharing all things uh, viral, I stayed home. <laughs> but uh, Logan talked about sowing and reaping, and, and there are times where we're investing in our, in our friend, and we're, and we're sharing with them about Christ, and we're we're sharing verses that we know and, and we're hoping that they'll come to church with us. And, and there's times where it seems like this is long season. And for me, I had one friend in particular that 17 years I shared with them. And I thought that I'd failed them. I thought that I'd messed up. But then there was this season of reaping and the reaping just happens really quick like the sowing is long and arduous and you don't see things growing, but, but you're doing the work anyway because we're called to faithfulness. But then when the reaping comes and you have the conversation, and when I had a conversation with Jeff and, and he was ready, the conversation was so easy. He was so eager to know about God and, and he was asking questions and it was so simple. And so we wanted you to just have this picture of why they're sowing and reaping in, in the Samaritan story that Logan shared with you last week. Jesus said, you're reaping that which you didn't sow. And it is an eternal harvest, an eternal harvest that was being reaped. And so he said, share the words of Jesus when God provides the opportunity. But when we think about sharing our faith, oftentimes we're worried about what we, what we don't know. What if I don't have the right words? What if I can't remember where the Bible says that? What if I get into just a big religious argument? Like, that's not fun. I don't want to go there. And so we worry about what we do not know. But Christian, you have something that no one else has. You have something that no one else has. And that's your faith story. And how can we argue with that? I forget where I used to have scriptures memorized. Back in my younger days, I, it's like the songs. Uh, if I ever do an album, and I won't, but if I ever do an album, it'll be Rob's 50 favorite songs that he almost knows. <laughs> because I know like a portion of the song and not, nothing, like if it's probably in the title, I know that part of the song. And then that's, you know, and you know, we harass Logan when he messes a line up like he did second and first service. Um, <laughs> Not that we're keeping track. Um, like if I didn't have the words up there, I'd mess the whole thing up. I don't remember that stuff, but I remember, I remember my faith story. Your faith story consists of where God met you, how he's provided for you, how he's answered your prayers, how he's forgiven your sins, how he's shown you grace, how he's revealed 
you truth. And honestly, people want that. They, they want that. They want that experience. They want to know how to have that experience. But I find oftentimes we're ashamed of our faith story. For some of us, we've always known God. Like we grew up in a home and we always have known God and somehow we feel like that's not enough. In fact, Logan this week in Sermon Club was sharing that when he was a teen, he was thinking, man, I need to go out and do drugs for a while so I have a story. I think he was talking about aspirin, but um, I'm going with that. Somehow, our, we're ashamed of our story, even though that's the kind of story we're hoping, that's the kind of legacy that we're hoping to create for our children and grandchildren, yet we feel like, I don't have enough to share. And then there's those of us like me that either has a prodigal story or just a straight up heathen story. I try to think of a different term. I couldn't come up with one, so we're going to roll with that. But our story is full of mistakes. Our story is full of inconsistencies. I don't want to talk about the dumb things I did or the dumb things I thought. I wonder why it's almost universally true that we are ashamed of our story. We think our story's not enough somehow. It might be spiritual. In Luke chapter 8, we see a story. Uh, Jesus and his, and his disciples, they get in the boat and they cross the lake. Must have been the most common thing they did. It seems like that's how all the great stories start. They cross the lake and they go opposite of Galilee, which means they go into the Gentile region of uh, Gerasenes. And there they meet a man, and we're told that this man is uh, possessed by demons. And it's not a few. Uh, the name is Legion, so it means a lot. There's a, there's a ton of demons in this guy, uh, and we know there's a ton of demons in this guy because he's running around naked, He's not living in his home. He's living out in the tombs. And when they try to shackle him, he breaks the shackles. And his life is a mess. And when the man with the demons sees Jesus, the demons inside of him recognize Jesus as the son of God and cries out, son of God, you know, don't, don't send us to the abyss. And that conversation there just is intriguing if nothing else, if you want to go read the story. But instead of sending the demons to the abyss, the demons get sent into a herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs, they run down the embankment and throw themselves into the sea, and therefore the pigs die. And when the herdsmen, when they watch this, they're a little freaked out, and they go to town and they tell everybody. Now, when the people come from the town come and they find Jesus, they find the man that was running around naked, living amongst the tombs. They find him dressed and in his right mind and sitting. And this is what freaks these people out. <laughs> Picture that. 
the guy running around naked, breaking chains doesn't freak him out. It's when he's sitting in his right mind and fully clothed, this is what messes with their minds. And they asked Jesus and his disciples to leave. And so Jesus and his disciples get into the boat to return to the other side. And we pick up in Luke 8.38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged, he begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Return to your home and tell them your faith story. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And I want you to wrestle with this question. Why did Jesus send him? He spends three years with disciples that know the scriptures. He spends three years with them before he lets them go by themselves. This man knows Jesus for less than a day. He's a Gentile, and so he probably knows not a lick of scripture. And Jesus sends him, armed with one thing, his faith story. Everywhere you have seen God work powerfully, that is your faith story. When he forgave you your sins, when he answered your prayers, when he's provided, when he's healed, when he kept you from harm, when he led you to new truth, that is your faith story and it is powerful, and it is enough. Last week, Logan shared the Good Samaritan story, right? In verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She has less than an hour of discipleship. She's a, a Samaritan with a mixed theology that's at best roughly right. And yet her story made a powerful impact. Her faith story made a powerful impact on her neighbors. I know some of you. I know your stories. I know you've known Jesus 20, 30, 40, some of you online, 60 years, 70 years. If God could use a Samaritan woman's faith story that was minutes old, how much more could you use your faith story? If God could use a recovering demoniac's faith story that was hours old, and, and his life was full of problems. Like, he was about as unclean as you could get from a Jewish perspective. Hanging out with pig herders, living amongst the tombs. From a Jewish perspective, you don't get any more unclean than that. 
And yet Jesus deploys him as the first Gentile missionary. If he used that man's story, how much more, how much more could he use your faith story? Well, I want to give you an, a couple active examples. What does this look like? How does this, how does this play out? And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a scenario. It's a fake scenario, but then I'm going to tell you a real part of my faith story, and then I'm going to have Jen do the same. So the scenario is fake, um, but the faith story for me and for Jen, for each of us, is actually real. So first scenario is this. Um, let's say I have a friend come up to me. Could be Kyle. It's not. It's a fake story. Um, and let's say a person like Kyle comes up to me and says, hey, I don't know what to do. I feel like since I've gotten to college here at UM, my life is off track. I'm in with the wrong crowd. I'm doing things I don't want to be doing, and I don't know how to turn this around. So if a friend of mine said something like that to me, I'd say something like this. Wow, I resonate with that. Can I, can I share one of my experiences with you? I can? Okay. Well, um, you know, in high school, I did a little partying. But man, when I got to college, I turned it up a couple notches. I got really, really good at, at partying. Not so good at school, but really, really good at partying. Um, my roommate and I, we would, um, we would drink a half rack to go to a kegger. Initially, we would together drink a half rack, but eventually got to the point where we'd each drink a half rack, and then we'd go to a kegger. And when we got back that night, or maybe the next morning, because we passed out, we would brag about our hookups from the night before. And the crowd that I got into, they just, they had really no regard for the law. Um, in fact, at one point, we were using a motorcycle that I'm pretty sure was stolen. Uh, I know it was insured. Uh, it was not insured. And I was driving on a suspended license and usually intoxicated. I was doing exactly what my friends were doing. And it came to a point where I had, I've only had a few of these in my life, but there was a clear moment where God spoke to me and I knew it was him. And this doesn't happen often to me once about every dozen years or so, but this is one of those moments. He says, Rob, if you don't get your life turned around, I'm bringing you home. I knew he was serious. I knew that he loved me but I didn't know how to fix it. And in his mercy, he provided. And so my cousin Jody, when I was 20, she, uh, she and I reconnected. We had been like BFFs growing up, but I had moved to California and then Oregon and her parents had divorced and she lived with her mom. So 
I didn't see her for, for 10 years. But when we came back together, our connection was instant. And her community became the community that I needed to adopt, and so I did. And her church became my church. And I started going to Bible study with her, and I started figuring out some things about God that I needed to figure out, and I started growing and maturing my relationship with him and changed my world, changed my life. I was really grateful that he had brought the right person, God had brought the right person to the right place at the right time. I needed that. And all I had to do was listen. So that's how I connect with your story. Now, if my friend, not named Kyle, <laughs> asks, in case your mom's listening, <laughs> uh, what do I do? If they ask me the question, what do I do? Now that opens up a whole new conversation. So that's my story. Jen, won't you come up and Give us your scenario and your story. So, scenario is if somebody were trying to make a decision about if they should stay or should they go. Did not mean to quote the song there. <laughs> so, should they move to a new city? Should they stay where they're at? And um, yeah, so I would share my story like this. Um, I moved to Montana in 2010, and um, the year prior to that, I could really see how God was orchestrating and making it happen so that I had the freedom to move when I did. Um, I had worked at a job for four years, and at the end of 2008, I left that job so I could finish my bachelor's degree, and I thought I was leaving that job and moving to Africa so I could start a school. And I went to Africa and I was like, okay, this is going to happen. It's just not happening right now. So, and then I was working as a youth director at my church and I loved my kids. Like I had been working with them for like, since they were like sixth graders and now they were juniors. And there was just like, I wasn't going to leave them unless God made it happen. And the summer of 2009, um, I, it was time. And the church was like, okay, Jen, you need to go. And I was like, oh, okay. So, uh, and then there's other little things along the way. The guy I was dating, we were no longer dating. And uh, I, was, I had finished my degree at school. And so when I came to visit December... 2009. Um, it just, I was like, okay, maybe I should be here. And the reason I was coming to visit so often is I, my best friend and the, the gal who had discipled me through most of my twenties, um, had moved over here with her husband to start a discipleship house in Frenchtown. And so I would come visit three or four times a year just to hang out with them and to hang out with the students in their house. And like I had built a relationship with um, just so many people in Montana because of them. 
And I was on the board of directors for this ministry and um, just loved the thought of living with people and doing discipleship. Um, I still, I just love it so much. And so in 2009, December, I was like, and I was like, I think I could move here. And they're like, well, of course you can move here. You should have moved here five years ago. And I was like, no, but it wasn't the right time. And I it just like God had opened the doors and shut the doors of things that needed to be shut. And, um, so in December, I went home after being here for a week and I was talking to my parents about it. And I was like, I think I want to move to Montana. And they're like, yeah, I think you should. And which was crazy that my parents were like, yeah, okay, yeah, you should. Um, and then like my pastor and the the person who took over the youth ministry were like, yeah, we think you should too. And so all the people from Montana were obviously saying I should move over here. Um, <laughs> but all the people in Washington that would want me to stay were saying, no, yeah, I think that's the right next step. And so four weeks later, I moved over here. And before I'd even like crossed the Montana state border, I had had a job and I did a phone interview and I had gotten the job. And so it was like, you could just see God's hand closing doors that need to be closed and opening them that needed to be opened. And, um, I think that was just what I needed. I needed him to be super clear and, um, I don't know if that helps you as you're trying to decide whether you should stay or go, but I would encourage you to look for the doors that are opening and closing. So, yeah. So a couple portions of our faith story, not all of our faith story, but a, a part and a piece of, of my faith story, a part and piece of Jen's faith story. Who could argue with Jen? Oh, you, God didn't do that. Who could argue with me? Oh, God God didn't bring your cousin. Oh, God didn't speak to you. Were you there, dude? <laughs> Guy not named Kyle. Um, your faith story. Your faith story needs to include two things. It needs to include your authenticity. Your authenticity and God's power. If you're sharing a story and you're not going to be authentic, if you're not going to talk about your weakness, you're not going to talk about your questions, your brokenness, your frustrations, your fears, if you're not going to talk about those things, it's not really a faith story. If you can be authentic, but you're not going to talk about the God of the universe showing up and doing what only he can do, it's just a cool story with a neat moral. So your faith story needs to be authentic and needs to include your powerful God. Your faith story has kingdom value. It matters how you've experienced God. It matters what you've seen him do around you. It matters the way he met you in your weakness. We are called to be witnesses. As my Bride reminded me in Revelations, it tells us that it is the word of our testimony that will overcome the evil one. God is glorified when we share our faith story. 
So now let's talk about my part, God's part, their part. We'll, but we'll talk about these in, in the other order. We'll talk about their part first. Their part is to ask questions. If you get someone to the point where they're willing to ask a question, you know that they've really engaged and that their interest is there. I have a friend named Matt Becker. He's the kind of guy that'll only hire you if you have a prison record. Because he feels called to ministry and that's how he does ministry. He helps people that, uh, that have a prison record um, figure out how to live for Christ and uh, he's willing to put his money on the line f- to do that. Now, he has a cool faith story, but he'll only tell you it if you ask him to. And he'll lead the conversation along, and he'll even go so far as to say, hey, I totally get what you're talking about. I've been there. In fact, I've got this cool story about how I came to Christ and how he's changed my life, but you probably wouldn't want to hear it. And some people say... You're right, dude. I don't want to hear your story. (laughs) But it's amazing how many times Matt Becker gets to share his story and how many times that story has changed their life because they were receptive because they asked questions. God's part. Again, he sends the right person to the right place at the right time. Only God can do that. We, we talked about that first when we talked about the Ethiopian story and how, how the Ethiopian traveled, uh, what was it, 1,500 miles? And, um, and then the Philip, he had to travel through Jerusalem, which was a hotbed for persecution, and down south towards Gaza on a road, and God brings these two people together. And it's the right person, the right place, the right time to have the conversation with the Ethiopian. And kind of like watching, you ever watch a, uh, an accident take place and all everything kind of slows down, and you're just like, whoa, I'm watching this, and this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening right in front of me. Well, there are times where I'm watching a spiritual interaction take place right in front of me in, in, a, in a very non-spiritual world, right? Where our friends really don't care to be spiritual at all and, and they're just happy-go-lucky and heading down the path of life. But somehow this spiritual conversation comes and I'm watching this like it's in slow motion. And sometimes I wonder, am I the right person? Well, if you're there in front of it? The answer is yes. (laughs) Like if this is taking place right in front of you, if you're the person that is seeing the demoniac, maybe maybe you're the person who had the conversation. And then my part, I'm going to leverage my faith story to create opportunities for people to move closer to Christ. Now, the part of my story that I shared might help someone come to know Christ or maybe help someone that has known Christ reconnect with Christ. The word, the story that Jennifer shared were likely to be used to help someone that has known Christ for a season, probably a long season, and they're trying to figure out how to take that next step. And by sharing her story, 
she creates the possibility, the, the potential for them to connect even closer to Christ as they take a step of faith. But to do that, we have to see the, the value of our own faith stories. We have to recognize the value of our own faith stories. And we have to know our own faith stories. Sometimes we haven't stopped to really consider what our faith story even looks like. And so the next step for you may be to take inventory of what God has done for you. When were you first made aware of God? When did you make a decision to follow Jesus? How has following Jesus affected your life? How have you seen God work in significant ways? How have you seen God answer prayer? How have you seen God provide? How has God provided direction for your life? And how have you seen God speak directly to you? So these list of questions are in your bulletin and we're going to ask you to, for care group this week to consider some of those and, and start to answer those questions, start to wrestle with what does your faith story look like? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.